NBA opening night is here. Celtic Sixers, Thunder Warriors, two big games. We got it all covered for you. And if you thought those were pretty good, we've got an 11-game slate tonight, and we are going to tell you what you need to watch for. Oh, baby. Actual NBA basketball is back, and we're back with the Locked On NBA podcast. Let's go. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. That's right. Basketball has returned, and we... Me, John Corrales, Jake Madison, we get to usher in the NBA season. I feel so special, Jake. We got the red carpet rolled out for everyone. We're not just talking about weird things over the summer. We got to see some real life basketball on the court that matters. Yes, it matters. Although, I mean, does October basketball... Re- nah, never mind. Never mind. It's real basketball and it's back. So... We are going to talk about Sixers and Celtics kicking off the season. Warriors and Thunder was a great game. Like we just said, massive, massive schedule. We'll we'll give you quick, quick capsule previews and all of those. But first, let's introduce ourselves. If you are new to the Lockdown NBA podcast, thank you for joining us. Welcome aboard. This is a great time. We have a great time five days a week. I am John Corrales. I co-host the Locked On Celtics podcast. So this was a big night for me. You can find my work at boston.com, at redsarmy.com, and my newly launched subscription service, patreon.com slash John Corrales. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and you can find my writing over at lockedonpelicans.com. All right, Jake, first up, Celtics Sixers. This was, it felt to me, like uh, a lot like for most of this game last year's playoff series where the Celtics had control for a lot of this game they it was back and forth uh, they did a lot of the th- same things that they did last year in the playoffs they they mostly and I say this knowing that the statistics don't necessarily uh, reflect it they mostly contained Ben Simmons. It looks like he had an amazing night with 19 points, 15 rebounds, and 8 assists. But 15 rebounds is a lot of rebounds to get when both teams shot somewhere in the low, like around 40%. Philly shot 39%. Celtics shot 43%. They put up 97 shots. So a lot of rebounds to be had. Embiid had nice counting numbers, 23.10 rebounds. Two block, two assist night, but at no point in this game did I feel like those guys were really taking over. And the Celtics did a lot of great things with a lot of players. They had five players in double figures, led by Jason Tatum. And I thought neither team looked particularly great, but some of the things that we saw coming into the season, the questions that we had, Philly, how would they respond to the lack of shooting? How would Markel Fultz kind of respond to going into the starting lineup? We saw the lack of shooting hurt. Markel Fultz, not really a great debut as a starter. It's very early. We're not going to make any judgments, but that was a tough start. Meanwhile, the Celtics and their depth really was a, a big deal. Not only did Jason Tatum have a big game, but Marcus Morris was big off the bench. Uh, Kyrie Irving did not have a good game, but Morris picked him up. Aaron Baines had huge contributions, and the Celtics, top to bottom, 
put a, a good enough game together to put up 97 shots, 105 points, and kind of smother the Philadelphia 76ers over the course of the entire game. Yeah, I think you kind of sum this one up pretty well. It's like they contained the the 76ers. You know, maybe at times they kind of hit uh, amongst the, the edges of the box that they were put in, but you weren't really worried about them kind of busting out of that as you kind of watch this game progress. In terms of Ben Simmons, with the numbers he put up, he looked awesome in transition uh, tonight in, in the fast break. But when he got him into the half court, again, you can contain him, and I think that had to do with the 76ers' lack of three point shooting to really space the court for him overall. I mean, 5 of 26 isn't going to get it done for this team that has a lot of guys that want to attack. And then you've got the Markel Fultz situation where he did start, but in the second half, because he was so brutal for him in the first half, this was not a good game for him at all. They kind of used him as a backup leading that second unit like I think they did with him off the bench in the playoffs last year. And he shows maybe in certain roles, maybe against lesser players, he can kind of create offense and be effective but oh my god that dude's scared to shoot overall and that's going to kill his game as teams find out really how to defend this team yeah Fultz had some success he had a good second quarter now overall Markel Fultz's numbers uh five points on two of seven shooting uh three rebounds two assists a steal three turnovers a minus 16 overall that is a bad game well let's just put it out there it's a bad game and again it's very early, so I'm not going to make any judgments on Markel Fultz. No, 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 it's, it's game one. we got to make sweeping judgments that we're going to keep for the season and refuse to budge off of these mountains that we've built for let ourselves. Me, let me rephrase. I'm going to dip the branding iron into the coals and now you know, mark him for the rest of his career. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I will say, in his second quarter, he played the entire second quarter, uh, that gave him an opportunity to be somewhat more of a lead guard. He did play. Uh, he had some fine pick-and-roll action with Joel Embiid. He, he had a nice second quarter. Two of four. He had the two assists. He had five points, two rebounds. It's all in the second quarter. So there was promise. There was something to build on there. So I, I will say for Brett Brown, who is approaching this – I. A little bit differently, I think fans in Philly are looking at this as we accelerated the process last year and now we're looking to take that next leap. And there are fans in Philly who are saying it's Eastern Conference Finals. We're better than the Celtics. We've got the, we've got in a series the two best players, which you can argue Embiid and Simmons, whatever. I'm not going to get into that argument now, but that's the feeling. But Brett Brown has said that he's doing a, he's doing what's right for Fultz. He's doing what's right for this franchise and its future by starting Fultz. And yeah, they're starting JJ Redick in the second half, but they really need to get Fultz going. They really need to make sure that their big three is going to be Simmons, Fultz, and Embiid. Like that's how they're going to go. No, that's that's who it also needs to be, and they're kind of you know committed in terms of draft picks and other things like that too. So you've got to wonder if that plays a factor. Like you said, Fultz can actually play in the pick and roll pretty well, which might make him a good person to put out there alongside Ben Simmons, who wants to play in transition and just kind of grab the board and go, and you know doesn't look as good in the half court. So you kind of have a one-two weird combination punch of that, with neither of them just really able to shoot yeah so there's there's gonna be 
some figuring out there and, and maybe a little bit more figuring out than Philly fans had hoped going into this. But again, not trying to overreact to this, but from the Philly side, there is a lot to, uh, they, they have a lot of work to do. Again, Simmons, the counting stats look good. In transition, he's just a monster. You cannot stop him in transition unless you're very, very disciplined. Now, the, the Celtics, when they had Aaron Baines on the floor, it, there were times when they did actually stop him in transition. But I also saw the Celtics very lazily try to swat and steal, and he's just too big, too strong, too fast to do that. He will just go right through it and, and dunk on you, or he's made some incredible passes. And Embiid has to become more efficient offensively. They, they, they tried to go to him in the post, and it was not great. Al Horford had five blocks in this. I think he got three of them on Embiid in one possession. So... Philly and Dario Sarge, by the way, who's I think is very good, had, did not have a great game. Covington was nowhere in a continuation of the playoffs. So from the Philly perspective, I think they had uh, they they have a lot to work on. But again, opening night, not going to go overreact. Well, I mean, that was the the same thing for the Celtics here too. You saw a lot of kind of inefficiencies at times for him too. And I wanted to ask you about this. You know, they took a lot of a lot of mid range shots. Now they hit them. Is that kind of their game plan going forward? I didn't watch them a ton in preseason. Or are they looking to be a bit more of an efficient offense than that? I I think that the Celtics are trying to be what everybody else is trying to be three and yeah three up and all of that. Uh, I will say that they are not going to issue the mid-range jumper quite like the Rockets have historically pre-CP3. Uh, I think that they are more willing to take the 15-foot jumper, the free-throw area jumper, when it's presented and open. What they are adamantly trying to avoid and what still is a problem are the long twos where you're a step or two inside the three point line. That's, that's evil. That's bad. At that I think point, everyone hates those. That, that's the worst shot in basketball. Step behind the three and, and take that shot. But, and I'm a big proponent of this. If you're run off the three point line and you're trying to drive and they are packing the lane, there's nothing wrong with pulling up for that mid range jumper. That to me, I call it the, boxing body blow of basketball where you just soften up the defense, you get them to come out and play you, force them to respect that shot, and then you can drive past them and get to the rim. So I think part of it also tonight, Gordon Hayward took a bunch of mid-range jumpers because Gordon Hayward, and let's talk about Gordon Hayward just for a little bit here because that was the big storyline for the Celtics. Gordon Hayward coming back, his first full game for the Celtics, played just about 25 minutes. That's the number that they were trying to cap him at. Not a great shooting night overall, 4 of 12, 1 of 3 from 3, 10 points. But he started to feel good from mid-range, and he had a tremendous defensive night. He led the Celtics with four steals. I thought he was very, very good defensively. He is still a very, very smart player. The thing about Gordon Hayward that we saw tonight does completely lack the explosiveness. I don't know if it was nerves, plus a combination of coming back. Uh, that is something that he's going to have to get back, and I hope that he can get a lot of that explosiveness back because he's a very athletic player, and it would be nice to see him return to that. 
It was just nice to see him on the court. I mean, it was opening night last year when this happened, and it's, I don't know, sometimes you just never want to see an injury like that to a guy. Seeing him back on the court has got to be big. That's also got to be kind of inspiring to this team that brought basically everyone back, and now they can trot him back on the court and hope they kind of take the leap from there. Though that's kind of a discussion for another day that's probably over on Locked On Celtics. Um, Look at that synergy there. Oh, man. That's a good teammate right there. The LU. Uh, okay, couple of other notes here from from this game before we move on. Jalen Brown did not have a good shooting game. I think he forced it a little bit. Kyrie Irving was really searching for his shot, never really found it. Shot fourteen percent. That's not going to happen. The notable thing about this is that Kyrie Irving took himself basically out of the game with uh, about three four minutes to go, and Terry Rozier finished the game. Terry Rozier had a nice game, uh, eleven points, eight rebounds. Uh, 5 of 10 shooting, uh, plus 22, which is a high number. That doesn't seem very indicative. Uh, shout out to, Mar- to Marcus Morris, who was uh, 7 of 12 off the bench, 16 points, 10 rebounds, a nice production off the bench. And uh, Brad Stevens very careful to shout him out after the game. Uh, Celtics, again, show their depth. Okay, we are going to move on to the next game after I – I want to talk about the athletic first of all here. Uh, my co-host for the Locked On Celtics podcast, Jay King, uh, moved over to the athletic. And, uh, in case you haven't noticed, everybody's moving over to the athletic. And that is uh, an amazing thing. The athletic has basically assembled this great, uh, lineup of some of the most prestigious writers, uh, out there, uh, Sham Sharania, first of all, the the kind of Woj protege who has risen to kind of take the mantle. Sam Amick, Zach Harper, Ethan Strauss, Sam Vecini, Frank Isola. Uh, in the Boston area, for people who are coming over from the Lockdown Celtics podcast, they know Jay King. People who subscribe to The Athletic are, are really seeing this tremendous influx in talent. And the thing about The Athletic this subscription-based model that they have is something I love uh, because it gives you content. It, focus is, it focuses on the smart sports coverage for diehard fans. No pop-ups, no ads, no videos is very annoying. You don't need an ad blocker to, list, to, to read The Athletic. Instead, you get authentic, in-depth coverage written by journalists who know their teams inside and out. The Athletic has been great about getting guys in market. They're not just hiring. Like other outlets, they put up a thing and they say, oh, come work for us, and people come from all over the country. They find people in the market and they say, come work for us. They get people who know the market, know the team. So the coverage will go beyond game recaps. It goes beyond trade speculation to provide smarter analysis and a deeper perspective about teams in the league subscribers you have access to local and the national content you get everything on the athletic that's more than about that's about 700 news stories published every week across all sports and what we have on the promo code you got to go to the athletic.com slash locked on nba all lowercase at the athletic.com slash locked on nba 40% off after all of this things, all of these things that I told you, 40% off two 
$9.99 a month. That's less than $3 a month if you go to theathletic.com slash NBA. Again, less than 3 bucks a month. I spend 3 bucks a day on a coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. Okay? And you go to The Athletic, and you're going to get all of this coverage at theathletic.com slash NBA. Subscribe. For less than three bucks a month, be part of the future of sports journalism at theathletic.com slash NBA. You got that site, Jake? Oh, man. So, look, I can't say enough about The Athletic, to be honest. I subscribed immediately. I actually used the locked on 40% off and got it for that $2.99 a month, which is just an absolute steal. You get literally everything across the entire network. It's awesome. And my favorite part is just no autoplay videos. That alone is worth paying for. All right, so one of the big things that's going to be in The Athletic is a 108-100. Great game, great game. Warriors over Thunder, and uh, maybe some people expected the Warriors to roll the Thunder. No I Westbrook, did. No Westbrook, no Roberson. Uh, it doesn't matter that the, um, the the Warriors were ended up shorthanded a little bit. Andre Iguodala left the game with a strained calf, but... Yeah, it seems stands to reason, right, Jake, that you go out there and say, ah, yeah, they got, they're missing, they're missing their best player. But Paul George really, really stepped up and made this a game, a uh, huge game from Dennis Schroeder, uh, 21 points, nine rebounds, six assists. They almost had it. They almost had it, but you know, too much Golden State. So this was funny because when the Golden State Warriors had a 10-point lead at halftime, you and I were texting just being like, we hope they don't run away with this because then what are we going to talk about in the second segment? And I was like, we should talk about whether Billy Donovan's going to be on the hot seat talking about sweeping generalizations after one game. And then they kept it close. It, this was kind of a tale of two halves for Oklahoma City. You know, Paul George was something like one of nine, one of 11 from the field in the first half and really, really struggling. Then he comes out and hits five straight shots to start this, uh, the third quarter. And this game turned around. Before we even talk about Golden State on this, this is, I think, tells you a little bit more about Oklahoma City and not a lot about the Warriors at all. Oklahoma City, there's a reason they're being predicted to be maybe fourth, third in the Western Conference. There's a lot of talent there and a lot to like, and it fits better than it did last year when you had Melo in there. Now Paul George is settled, and I think that's kind of a big thing. Dennis Schroeder's going to be with the second unit. I think that's a better role for him than playing against NBA starters right now. So you can see why they're going to do really well. And then you watch the first half again with like no movement on offense, a ton of isolation, and Paul George just chucking the ball at times. And you're like, yep, they're also going to struggle too, but the talent should win out. And I think, I don't know, so this one kind of just encapsulates what I'm expecting to see from them this season. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I, I think sometimes when you, you're missing your star player, there is a uh, the Bill Simmons calls it the Ewing theory. Like, Sometimes the star goes down and other guys step up to a point where there's uh, an unexpected boost. Like, are you going to get 17 and 11 out of Steven Adams every night? No. Are you going to get 21 points out of Dennis Schroeder every night? No. 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 <laughs> but, you know, look, it's, it's great. It, it shows what the Thunder are. The Thunder, yeah. if nothing else, and for all of the criticism that they get, from Westbrook on down, they are scrappy. They are tough. They they just do not stop. And I think 
one one obscure kind of well not obscure but Hamidou Diallo is indicative of the type of player that the Thunder love. Not a great offensive player by any means, but he's athletic. He works his ass off on defense. He is kind of like what Roberson does, and he'll grow into a similar role. He is athletic, tenacious, and I know, I know Sam Presti. Sam Presti is an Emerson College guy. I went to Emerson College. We both played for the same coach. We both played in the same program. It is not a surprise to me that he and I value a lot of the same things, that he values this tenacity, especially because Sam Presti, when he was playing, had that same kind of tenacity. Like that's the type of player he was. So he and our coach that we had in college have that same mentality. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter what kind of offensive player, if you're an offensive star, they supremely value the guys who work hard, bust their ass on defense, and then they will find a role in the offense. And that is indicative of what the Thunder are as a whole, regardless of their coach, regardless of how things go. That's the type of culture that they're, they are and, and their identity as a team. Yeah, I, th- I think that's certain. They have it in another guy like Nerlens Noel who played 12 and a half minutes in this game and actually right. had like a few moments where you're like, oh yeah, he could potentially be really good if it kind of all clicks for him. But on this team, him just kind of doing the rebounding and the defense and all of that fits perfectly. And I wonder if they had Westbrook in this game, do they win? You know, maybe. But you saw them kind of struggle to create their own offense late in this game, late in the fourth quarter, where if they had a guy who could have done that too, it makes just those other guys who kind of know their role, they don't need to step too far out of their comfort zone to be able to kind of play in the system and win some games. Like, there's some talent here, and this team's going to be pretty good and I think you saw that here tonight. Yeah, I I, I wasn't too high on the on the thunder. It's my own fault. Uh, that's uh, just going to the things that I was just saying. They they're they're going to be okay. They're always going to be a tough out. But what they ran up against was a Warriors team that's just too damn good. Steph Curry. Man, I mean, He's pretty good. 32 points, eight. How does he get eight rebounds? So he, he was awesome with that in this game where he, they really wanted to push the pace in this one and kind of take the thunder out of a rhythm and, you know, play fast when that team probably wants to play slow with the lineups that they had. And Steph Curry just grabbed every defensive board that he could and just started going and did everything he could just to keep that speed and that pace up. Yeah. So Curry was the guy. Like you don't win this game. Like this is a stupid thing for me to say, but I'm going to finish the sentence. You don't I was going to say you want to keep you want to keep going right. there. Yeah, Steph Curry. <laughs> Steph Curry is like they won this game because Steph Curry is a mega star and he did mega star things. Couple of finishes in the lane where I was just like, are are you kidding me? How do you even finish that? More than the threes, but especially the threes. Uh, but there were a couple of times where he he's so crafty that there was a foul on Schroeder late in the game where he gets by Schroeder and then he slows down so crafty because he knows that Schroeder's chasing him. He knows that Schroeder's trying to get back in the play. He slows down just enough and then he pulls up to get the foul from behind. He's got that body awareness and control to get the shot up and up, up towards the rim. He's just so good. Uh, beyond Steph Curry, 
there was a brief third quarter shootout between Kevin Durant and Paul George. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. Unsung hero to me tonight, Kevon Looney had a great game. Uh, 10 points, 10 rebounds, but a team high plus 23. And I think he, plus, plus minus is very kind of sketchy. I think that plus minus to me was very indicative of the impact that he had. They're still struggling to, to kind of hold together that center spot, but Looney off the bench was, I think, a, a very key element to tonight's win. No, he was big for him, and it's kind of annoying that they were able to keep him this year, given you know the, the situation they're in and the salary cap and everything. But he played really well for them off the bench. They got a ton of production at center, which was unexpected. Damian Jones yeah. started, played twenty six and a half minutes, and put up twelve points, and was playing amazing defense. Due to three blocks in this game, and was just kind of shutting down Stephen Adams at times, who's a decent enough offensive player close to the rim like that. So they're getting a lot of production from these guys that have now been in their system for a little bit, kind of, again, understand their role and just step up as kind of unsung heroes that no one's ready for. Like, no one expected the Damian Jones breakout game in game one of the regular season, and we got it. And it's like, what is he doing starting, let alone playing 26 and a half minutes? Yeah, so it's those types of things on a night where uh, some some guys just didn't have it, like Clay Thompson. When is Clay Thompson? How often is Clay Thompson going to shoot one of eight from three? But he did tonight and he needed to be picked up. So you get a combined 22 points from your center position. That's your weakest position. That's, that's the depth of the Golden State Warriors that just look just too much, too much talent there. And oh, by the way, they're going to get Boogie Cousins back at some point. So. Uh, There's a reason they had their ring unveiling ceremony. By the way, what do you think of double-sided rings? That's kind of wild. I kind of like it. I dig that kind of weird stuff. That's, you know, maybe not something – look, I say that's not something I would wear. But let me tell you something. If I check my ticket tomorrow and I hit the Mega Millions, that's exactly what I'd be wearing. Wait, so no, hold on, like, exactly. So you, oh. the Boston Celtics guy, are gonna buy one of the, I'm gonna hold you to this oh, no, if you do I'm, win now. Not, not that exact, like, a reversible. I'm, I'm just going by what you say, thing. man. Like, I, it'd be the reversible, gaudy, multiple kind of transformer ring. I would totally buy something like that. Absolutely. I mean, I'd you've like got, think, got like 600 something million, then you're good. At that point, yeah, man. Jeez, like, you kidding me? I'd buy one for everybody. All okay, of the I'll, you to, I'll hold you to that too. <laughs> uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I will need to either win the lottery or I would need to hit big on mybookie.com, which uh, since we've started this podcast, people ask us all for advice. And now that sports betting is available in a lot more places, a lot, a lot of more people are asking for advice. So it's usually which team do you bet on this week, whether it's the NFL or various prop bets in the NBA. The truth is we don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, then you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just important as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, this is your best bet this season. My bookie has been in business for years. Great reviews online. Go check them out. The mobile site is very easy to use. 
you go lay down some cash and win big today, not only do you win big, you win big just by laying down some cash. My bookie will match the listener's first deposit 100% up to $1,000. You bet $1,000. They matched your first deposit up to up to up to $1,000. That's that's amazing. So now I would only recommend this service to my listeners that's been good to me. So I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. It's all in-game live betting. The more the most rewarding perks in the business for you, the fantasy guys who are out there. You can even bet over/unders. How many fantasy points a player will score each game? Go to my bookie. They will match your deposit again, dollar for dollar, with the promo code Locked On. Use the promo code Locked On. Enter Locked On. Sorry, enter Locked On to activate the offer. My bookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E. Don't forget to use the promo code Enter Locked On when creating your account to claim the bonus. It's a 100% match on a deposit up to $1,000. You play, you win, you get paid at mybookie.com. Jake, we had two games to talk about, but we have an entire 11-game slate. It's a big day, huh? It's like it's opening night, weekend, whatever you want to call it. Yep, and we are just about out of time. So we each get one thought on each of these games. You ready? One Let's do thought, it. One thought. Bucks, Hornets. I, I'm excited for Giannis to kind of be unleashed. I just got him in fantasy, so let's go with a good coach. And, I mean, he's in line for – I think you and I almost both picked him for MVP this year. Yeah, a lot of people picking Giannis for MVP. I'll go with the Charlotte Hornets. I kind of want to see – I don't expect them to win. I want to see progress. I kind of want to see how they go. New coach, new system. Uh, I think – that they can get into the eighth seed, which means they would have to be competitive in a game like this. I want to see them come out and show the signs that they could be competitive and fight. No matter what happens in this game, fight. Ugh, Nets, Pistons. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> Save some time. Uh, yeah, let's just move on. Sorry, fans. Uh, that's just, it's basketball, yay. Grizzlies and Pacers. I Okay, so I'm a little bit higher on this Memphis team, I think, than a lot of other people are. I think Conley and Gasol can take you fairly far. I kind of like uh, Garrett Temple. I'm looking forward to just seeing Conley back healthy and Gasol not getting coaches fired. <laughs> oh, man, cheap shot. But true, true. It's not, true. Um, <laughs> I, they, everybody, they're like everybody's kind of like darling kind of selection. Like, oh, if they're all healthy, they could be great. Uh, Pacers. I want to see what Miles Turner is all about because he just signed that contract. Let's see him start living up to it. And it, it, does he feel a pressure? Does he understand his role alongside Victor Oladipo? So Miles Turner is my key to watch in this game. Miami Heat and the Orlando Magic. I, I mean, I don't really have a ton on this. I guess, you know, does anyone jump out at you from Miami that maybe yeah. they can include in a Jimmy Butler trade? Like, that's uh, what you're looking for in yeah. this. I, okay, beyond that, I'm looking to see what Hassan Whiteside, he seems to have – the things I've been reading about his offseason, like he started to organize workouts. He's starting to try to take things more seriously. The biggest problem with Whiteside is that he's been very full of himself. And I feel like this is the summer 
where he might have started to become self-aware. So I want to see what Whiteside kind of really is. Hawks and Knicks. What do you think? So I'm excited to see Trey Young in this kind of like openly bad Atlanta team just go out and play. And Trey Young's look kind of fun so far in preseason. I'm a little disappointed in the Knicks not starting um, Kevin Knox after um, Fisdale said they were going to do that. And then he's just kind of going against everything that they're doing. They're going to be bad. They should probably just be starting their young players, getting them experience, and trying to build for the future a little bit. But I wonder if he just feels there's, there's a little bit of pressure on him. I don't know. It was kind of odd to see that he won't be in the starting lineup. Yeah, that was going to be my thing to watch, too, because I, I liked Kevin Knox. I watched him in Vegas. I thought he was pretty good. I'm excited to watch him play. Uh, I think he's going to be one of those all-rookie type of players. So uh, I'm kind of curious to see what's happening there. All right, Cavaliers and the Raptors. I mean, this is just kind of blah. Like, Toronto's going to blow them out. Cleveland's going to do their best, but they just don't have enough. And it's kind of as simple as that to me. Are you not excited about Larry Nance's extension? No. He's not even listed in their, like, starting lineup form, so it's like, okay. I mean, everybody's watching Kawhi Leonard to see how that goes, so let's go. Uh, does anybody on this podcast care about Pelicans and Rockets? No, no one that I know whatsoever really well. Anthony, Anthony Davis is gonna have like a 50 point game and probably a loss for New Orleans, but I actually kinda like their chances in this one. It's the ESPN game. I am excited to see Anthony Davis this season. I like, I'm always loving Anthony Davis and not just in a, I want the Celtics to trade for Anthony Davis type of thing. But I, that too. I'm, oh, yes, especially <laughs> that. Stop lie. I, I love the idea that Anthony Davis is so pissed off about his lack of exposure and his lack of, uh, endorsements that he switched over to clutch sports to just get this new edge and to tell everybody I'm the best player out there. I kind of want to see how that manifests itself. Like that's a low key NBA storyline that nobody's really talking about nationally. I think that's going to be something that in two months, people are going to be like, what has gotten into Anthony Davis? Yeah, he's going for, I believe his new catchphrase is going to be most dominant player. You've heard him say that over and over. I think he's in line for a big game. I don't think they have anyone that can really defend him. They used to throw Trevor Ariza on him. Ariza's gone, and he did a decent enough job defending AD. But now when you've got Julius Randle out in the front court too, Capella's going to have to take one of those, and that's going to just leave the other guy to kind of bulldoze their way through this Rockets team. But Rockets shoot a lot of threes, and the Pelicans aren't good three-point shooting team, so there's kind of your difference maker. Yeah, not to belabor this, but I feel like Anthony Davis has spent his entire career being a very good team player and trying to do what's best for the team. I kind of feel like this season is all about doing what's best for Anthony Davis, which coincidentally is also what's best for the team, but it's going to be fun to watch. All right, moving on. Minnesota Timberwolves, fun, stable team against the San Antonio Spurs. I have no idea how this is going to go, oh, and I man. just want to watch. And I'm just going to kind of sit back, maybe maybe heat up some popcorn, and and just smile knowing that that's a Western Conference rival who's going to both Western Conference rivals that are probably both likely to fall out of the playoff picture. This might be the most random, highly rated game. I this Every NBA fan needs to be watching what the hell happens to the Timberwolves in this game. What is Jimmy Butler going to do? Oh, man. All right. Moving on, Jazz, Kings. I like Donovan Mitchell. I don't really care for much on the Kings other than De'Aaron Fox, who's pretty fun. Hey, from a Boston perspective, want to see the Kings lose. Not too much, but Boston has their pick if it's anything below number one. So 
Yay. All right. <laughs> Nuggets and Clippers. So I'm high on this Nuggets team. They're going to be really yeah. fun. But do they play defense? That's the big key. If they come out, and it's not like this Clippers team has a ton of offensive firepower, but there's enough. So just don't kind of get lit up defensively, and maybe I'll have a little bit more faith in this team. So in not the post-game Locked On Celtics, but the Tuesday Locked On Celtics, we did postseason predictions. And I kind of casually mentioned Mike Malone as a – Outside as an outside, grammatically correct, uh, outside kind of dark horse coach of the year candidate. Because if the Nuggets are, can figure this out, if guys like Gary Harris take these, these leaps forward and the, and you know, what if Isaiah Thomas comes back and he is a big contributor? If the Nuggets can figure things out, they can be a tantalizing team in the West. And I know last year when we, first joined this Locked On NBA podcast, I got burned believing in the Nuggets. I'm going to just go ahead and put my feet to the fire again and see what they what they can do. I'm very excited to see what the Nuggets can accomplish. All right, last game on this slate. Dallas Mavericks, Phoenix Suns on ESPN. What the hell is this game doing on ESPN? So how about this? I'll take uh, Donkic on this one, and you can take Aiton. Uh, I wanted Doncic. All right, I'll trade. That's fine. Okay, great. Thank you. See, that was uh, easy. Yeah, that's it. Those are the two reasons to to talk. I will I will say that uh, Doncic is wearing Kyrie Irving sneakers. Special player. I'm a sneaker guy. Sorry, but whatever. Yes, he's wearing Kyrie special colorway Kyrie Irving sneakers, which are actually kind of kind of fresh. I I might buy a pair of his sneakers if they ever become available. All right, that's it. We talked for a long time, and we are going to wrap up the show. This is the beginning of the NBA season on the Locked On NBA podcast. Again, if you're a new listener, man, thank you guys. Whatever you're doing every day to, to fit us in and give us a half hour or, you know, 35 minutes today of your time is very, very cool, very, very awesome. Thank you so much, especially if you're listeners of our regular podcast, Locked On Pelicans, Locked On Celtics, and you added this to your mix. Awesome. Love you all for doing that. So thanks for subscribing. If you're not a subscriber, if you're still here, you means you love the show, right? You're still hanging out with after all of this. You're still hanging out. So subscribe to the podcast if you are a subscriber. Five-star review, five-star rating, a good review helps us a lot. We need those to help climb in the rankings. And, of course, sharing the podcast is always appreciated. Tell everyone to to listen to the Locked On NBA podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. <laughs>